It's us. Hi. We're the podcasters. It's us. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Sam. We're the Sibs. And you're listening to Swift and Swigs with Sibs. That's right. This is the podcast where a brother and a sister discuss two of their favorite things, Taylor Swift and cocktails. Every episode, we will choose a song from Taylor Swift's 200-plus song catalog. We'll each pair a cocktail with that song, and then we will break down our favorite musical mixology moments. Hey, Sam, are we ready for it? I think we are. Swift and Swigs. Nope. We are Swift and Swigs. You're not. <laughs> Let me start that over. Hello, Swiggies. <laughs> you are listening to another episode of Swift and Swigs with Sibs. And this is episode 60. I am here with Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> this is funny. Um, uh, this is kind of a dorky greeting because we just, just to keep things interesting and, and honest and transparent here, this is Sam and I have already started recording tonight because technically we were recording this episode immediately following the Grammys when we already recorded our very special emergency tea time episode. We have already aired that this episode is coming out weeks later, but we could not wait any longer to share our Grammy updates with you. So, so, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, back go and, and listen to it because there were some things to discuss. You're going to want to go listen. If you know, you know. Also, so I just want to say that's yeah. significant. You know, when people say, if you know, you know, it's I-Y-K-Y-K. The episode we're doing this week is confusing because it's I K Y. WT. And whenever I see that acronym, I think of oh, if you yeah. know, you know. Yeah. So just going to plant that little seed there. Uh, Rachel, before we get into said episode, what do you want to talk about? Well, uh, <laughs> we're still a little bit reeling from the excitement that was the Grammys. And oh we're anticipating Tokyo. But as this episode airs, it has already occurred. So is another app like. How long is she in Japan? Again? She's in Japan for I think four nights. She starts on Wednesday of this week and Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. What's interesting is there's no opening act I saw. So I think that's the first time Taylor is just taking the stage. And I mean, good for Tokyo. They they get to go to bed at a normal hour. They the, the show starts at six, hopefully, and it's done by ten thirty. So um good good for Good. Oh God, right. Rachel, we didn't even Good talk about the significance of adding a new era while she's performing the eras tour with this new <laughs> oh album gosh. that's coming out. We just added right, to the list of things we just that. don't know yet. We are just we're gonna still... just keep talking about yeah, add it to the list. <laughs> yes. yes. So I the only information before I get like we just dive into this episode because I know we're excited to start talking about you know some of our swifting and swigging. Mm-hmm. Um. I I have I have an epi- I, excuse me I have an essay coming out this week. I am featured over in the Substack for Coffee and Crumbs. Um, I 
was I participated in a contest, a writing contest, and I got second place. Yay! So no, no Grammy for me, but I got second place. But the, and so, okay, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because Taylor Swift makes an appearance in my essay. Oh, well, imagine so Brandi Carlisle. Um, it's kind of fitting for the episode that aired last week with our sister, uh, Love Story, because I talk about a little scene, and I didn't mention this in the Love Story episode because we had too much to talk about, but there was a moment in the Eras tour when, uh, in one of the cities, I figured it out, but I don't remember off the top of my head now, her earpiece stopped working in the middle of Love Story. And there was this video that circulated where Taylor Swift, like, couldn't get her earpiece to work. She she was, like, touching it, turned around, walked backwards. And we all know, like, that's not the choreography. We know she moves forward in the song. But she turns around, walks backward, finds her bassist, bass guitar dude. And she points to her ear and he just nods up and down to kind of give her a clue as to like the beat of the song. She flips around and she continues on and sings the song. It was an iconic and moment of the Errors Tour it summer really was. 2023. I've watched yes. that video so many times, yes. Rachel. I love it so much. So many times. Uh, and I, well, you'll just have to read the essay because there's a reason that I talked about it. The um, theme for this one, for this competition this writing competition is every February they do this for um, stories about um, love, ma- love and marriage after having children. So it's mm. very timely to me and to my love of music and what I can learn from it. So, Well, congrats on um, winning second place, Rachel. We are so proud of you. As your little brother, you always continue to inspire me. So good mm, good on you. So we're uh, we're going to link your essay in the Substack show notes, okay. I'm sure. But I will go we ahead and read that tonight it. as soon as we get done chit-chatting about our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. All right. Well, Sam, I think that this is a good time for us just to dive into this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Should we start with a little bit of a new shit? I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit. I mean, we're immediately post-Grammys. Yeah, yeah. Do I'm, you have so? Are you still listening to Grammy music? What's going on with you? I I am still listening to Grammy music. I'm actually very proud of us that we don't forget this segment anymore. Remember, Rachel, we like always used I to know. forget yeah. to include new shit, but now it's just been, it's so natural. Now, episode sixty, we've done this enough times. So yes, let's get into it. I am still listening to Grammys, and I I chose an artist that was not at all on my radar but an artist that did win a Grammy. And Uh-oh. that was the artist that won for best traditional pop vocal album. Oh, okay. And her name is, oh gosh, I I, I might be butchering this. It's spelled like Laufi, but it's pronounced Lave, I think. And so anyways, she is a young artist who won this this award for traditional pop vocal album which i don't really understand what that means but essentially this artist lauve is a jazzy singer and rachel you know i love a jazzy singer and that's sammy is my... loves a jazz singer 
I sure do. And that's my new shit Sorry, this week. That sounded really weird. That's a line from Sex in the City. Where oh, okay. I, I just thought you uh, were just, they, you know, stating a fact in no, a weird way. It's a little different. <laughs> Here's how it goes. It's like, Carrie loves oh jazz, man. <laughs> so I, I will insert the clip now. Oh, Carrie likes jazz, man. Jazz. All right, that's it. I'm going upstairs. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, the the our album I've listened to by this artist um, is called Bewitched, and her voice is just jazzy, but it's got a little bit of like orchestral pop moments sonically. This album, and then most of the songs are just all about love. The song that I have chosen to mention is the song called Must Be Love. And I really love her lyrics in this song. She's basically singing about how this person has swept her off of her feet. She's feeling all these emotions, aka must be love, right? But my favorite line that I'm going to mention right now is, you made a sappy, stupid something out of me. The kind I swore I'd never be. <laughs> and the way she sings it with her like beautiful, sultry, jazzy voice is a really lovely juxtaposition from like classical jazz, where it's really like serious lyricism. And then here she's sing she's saying how you made a sappy, stupid something. I mean, I just love I love that line, love that moment. It's my favorite moment. Love it. I listened to it today while I was cleaning the house. It was very good house cleaning music. I recommend it. Okay, what about you, Rachel? What new shit are you listening to? Are you on, on the Grammys vibes as well? Uh, I did. I did choose a Grammy artist who's been on my radar. In fact, this artist won Best New Artist at the Grammys. Oh. Victoria Monet. And she has a song that is so darn catchy. She did not win for best song of the year with this one, I think. It, this song was up. It's called On My Mama. And mm. it is so fun. I get it in my head all the time. And it's basically like everything that's the bomb about me, you can, that's, that's all on my mama. Like she, she did that. I put that on my mama. It's so fun, and it's also just like, yeah, shout out to moms. And she gave her mom a shout out, and it was so sweet. And I really, I enjoyed her, her, her like acceptance speech. I really liked it. Great. And Rachel, it is time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It is time (laughs) that we finally start sipping on some cocktails, Rachel. You, we have been. I mean, to the Swiggy that's listening to this episode, you wouldn't know this, but we have been sitting down talking for like well over an hour by this point. Yeah. And we have not been sitting on a cocktail. So, uh, Rachel, let's get into the Swift of the Week. I knew you were trouble. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights. You got me alone. You found me. You found me. You found me. You just knew without knowing that we were going to be in trouble this week 
with this Grammy announcement. I had, so you thought I had an inkling, or as Taylor would say, black ink in my veins. I oh. had that running through me. And so, I no, the reason I chose this song, the, the song is like, I mean, okay, whatever. I'm just going to say it. It's, it's far <laughs> from my favorite Taylor Swift song. It is objectively just kind of not the greatest song that she's ever written. And that is okay. It is still fun. We can still discuss it. But the main reason I chose it is because I I wanted to announce it when Emily was with us. So last Mm. week, Emily was recording the love story episode with us. And this song, I knew your trouble is what is, is the one song I think of Emily on. (laughs) Because she was always getting into trouble, maybe. But also, uh-huh. she I just have a I have a memory of her talking about this song, and so I just thought it would be a fun one to announce. And gosh, it's been a while since we've gotten dread, so that was the reason I I chose this song. But I'm very curious to know what cocktail you came up with because there's some really fun ways you could you could do cocktails with the song Rachel so why don't you go first Rachel which cocktail did you pair with the song I knew you were trouble yeah so I mean okay this this was tricky but I I was just like going with my like instincts with this one okay Okay. and when I was thinking trouble I was thinking what gets me into trouble margaritas (laughs) okay yeah specifically tequila okay yeah so i knew i knew i was gonna make a cocktail with tequila because i think i mean not only have i had some crazy nights with too too much tequila and uh, margaritas but i know that that's like a common alcohol i feel like we've mentioned this before like that's a common alcohol and people are like oh trouble trouble (laughs) Tequila is mm-hmm. trouble. And it's just a party in a bottle every single time. So <laughs> I I I wanted to I wanted to lean into this line flew me to places I've never been. So that's the name mm. of my cocktail. This is my places I've never been Mexican martini. And have you never been uh, to Mexico? So I've crossed over the border with mom and dad. Oh yeah, we 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 did that together, didn't we? We did do that. So this is actually not true that I haven't been, but I haven't been to Mexico. And I mm. think that's kind of basically what the song her line in the song anyway it means that like it's not necessarily literal as much as like figurative. Like I have not been a big celebration in Mexico. I like walked mm-hmm. walked across the border mm-hmm. with my parents when I was in middle school. Okay. Right. Um so this is my places I've never been and this is a different kind of margarita that I have never made before and mm. I don't know why. This is a Mexican martini because it has olive brine in it. Ooh, I'm so, so intrigued. Uh-huh. It's giving salty because I love a salty margarita. Mm-hmm. It's only subtly sweet. There's a heavy pour of um cointreau. Kind of more like it's two to one, which is a little bit more than I normally do when I do. I usually do like half 
uh, like two to half of Cointreau and tequila. This is like two to one. And then you have a splash of orange juice in there. You have your lime juice and you have your olive brine. So, um, and the olive brine I have is kind of like a, it's, I'm not necessarily getting this, the spicy hints of it, but I, I got it from a spicy stuffed olive. So that's another way of adding an interesting layer. Um, I stayed away from my blue cheese stuffed olives because that seemed a bit weird, but, um, yeah. This is for this. This is a margarita that will take you places that you've never been. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Salud. So, salud. That, that's gonna get salud, you in trouble, Sam. Rachel. That yeah, I know. So, trouble, where, what about you, trouble, Sam? Trouble. What's your trouble tonight? Um. Okay, Rachel. As I poured into my glass, uh, I literally did the same thing. Uh, well, no, no, you I didn't, didn't literally do the same thing. <laughs> Um, my, uh, my thought started with the same thought as you had is tequila because tequila tequila gets everybody into trouble. So yes. Yep. I did the same thing. So I, I wanted it to be a tequila cocktail (laughs) and this is where I might get canceled. Um, (laughs) I, I, I think of this song, I think of the iconic, viral video that came from this song of that goat screaming during the chorus <laughs> yes okay <laughs> so yeah. i wanted to tie that into the cocktail somehow and so i am calling this the goat because of course taylor swift is the greatest of all the time. goat yes of course she but is. here's what i did rachel i did a uh goat cheese wash in my tequila so i know call me crazy um and (laughs) i it basically so 24 hours ago i added some it's it's goat cheese uh particularly like a honey goat cheese because i wanted a little bit of sweetness and i added that to about six ounces of uh reposado tequila and I made sure it was like mushed. Like I didn't want just like one solid chunk in there. I just like threw it in a jar <laughs> with six ounces and I kind of like macerated a little bit, shook the hell out of it and then froze it overnight and mm. then kind of separated today. I separated those solids. And so what was left with is like a very white uh, goat cheese infused tequila. And that's my, that's my spirit base. Um, I decided to pair that with what I would want to eat goat cheese with, which is like, um, you know, like I was thinking charcuterie. So I, I did like a spiced pear syrup. So there's a pear and cinnamon and cloves and allspice. And then I made that into a syrup. And then because it's tequila, I had to add lime juice as well. Yep. And then I just, I, I, I tasted it and it was, it was needed something and i found um some jalapeno bitters because spicy is another thing that gets me in trouble uh-huh. and i'm calling it the goat Ow! <laughs> Ow! that's me acting out the goat So I hope it's okay that I took that viral moment where I was kind of oh, making that's fun of Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. But you know what? This is a fun song, and I think it's fair to do that. All right, great spirits. Clink, clink. Clink, clink to that. 
speaking of spirit, mm-hmm. Sam, we are going to break down this song despite your feelings about it. We are going to hit <laughs> every element of this song. Okay, we are going to talk about the spirit of no doubt of the song. We are going to talk about the musical mixology of this song. And by we, I mean you, because I don't have very many thoughts on that category. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we're going to get into lyrics and, you know, we've got some, actually, I was surprised as I broke down these lyrics because we have some really fun twists of words and multiple definitions of these words that I think could actually be more fun than I knew they were. Well, good. I will, in that case, let you lead us when it comes to the lyrics. The one thing I'm excited about is the musical mixology aspect of the song. Excellent. Um, Excellent. But first, let's talk about the spirit. The spirit. The spirit of I Knew You Were Trouble. Mm -hmm. It's essentially, it's quite simple. It is a post-breakup dance anthem. Dance anthem. About, yeah, about like Taylor's like blaming herself after a toxic relationship has ended and that she should have seen it coming. In fact, she did see it coming, but she went through with it anyways. Now, there is a quote that Taylor has said about this song and about the spirit for her, and she says, and and talking about this relationship, it's going to be dangerous. But look at me going in there anyway. I think that for me, it was the first time I ever kind of noticed that in myself. Like when you're curious about something, you know might be bad for you, but you know that you're going to go for it anyway. Because if you don't, you'll have greater regrets about not seeing where that would go. So that's the quote. Mm. Basically, Taylor is saying that to her, this was about going into a relationship that she knew was a bad idea, but she wanted to go for it anyways because sometimes it's worth the risk. But if you noticed in this quote, she says, it's, it was the first time I ever noticed that in myself. But that is <laughs> not true, Rachel. We oh. have talked about how Taylor does this in a lot of her songs, especially in earlier songs, where she sings about the risk factor of going for somebody, like she's a moth to a flame and she cannot look away from that, even though she knows it's bad. A prime example is Sparks Fly, which of course happened before this song came out. And then literally one song before I Knew You Were Trouble on the album Red is the song Treacherous, which is also about acknowledging that falling in love with somebody or going for somebody is a slippery slope that she knows she shouldn't be on. So I just think it's interesting that she's somehow like just now acknowledging that that is a new thing for her when she's actually sung about this before. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I think those, all those songs could be about the same guy. So like, I think while she's connecting that phrase to that particular song, I think she still could could say that she recognizes like that era was the time when she was exploring it because Speak Now has a lot of significant like significant songs about John Mayer and it has been all but understood um all but like 
without having his name in the title that this song is about John Mayer as well. And that's... Okay, so I definitely wanted to ask your opinion on who the song is about. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there there is discussion about the song being about Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. There are some clues that it could be about Harry Styles and is about Harry Styles. Um, the main clue is she was literally performing this song and then she said something in an interview about how the song is directed at a person who is currently at that concert and Harry Styles was like there at the concert. But the timeline doesn't make sense really. that this would be about Harry Styles. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. But the other thing that it is, it, to me, it is about John Mayer is because like Harry Styles wasn't necessarily this like bad idea. And yeah. like a surface level, he was, you know, like a good boy but john mayer had all these had all these like red flags to him she she was quoted saying getting my heart broken isn't only one person's fault which is interesting that she said that because she's like you know acknowledging that this song she she does admit blame that she she should have like you know, slapped her own face and like woken up to not date this person. She said, I realized early on that this was a huge risk factor and I went for it anyway. It's my fault. What she's talking about is the relationship she went into. And it would make sense that it's John Mayer. Of course, that was a huge risk factor. He was 13 years older than she was. (laughs) And he was a notorious, like, not so nice person. Right now. We all know I love John Mayer's music, yeah. but I will speak objectively here and that he had a bad track record for, you know, not being a nice guy. And he was like so much older than her. So of course she knew this was a bad idea. And that to me is why this song is without a doubt about John Mayer. You know, Sam, I didn't put this together until I saw her say something about red flags, but this, this song is on the red album and I don't think I ever like made that connection that the the title red. I mean, obviously it, that word comes from the title song red, but that song in and of itself is a little bit about a red flag, like a moving fast in a relationship that's not going anywhere. And yeah, like it coming to a sudden end, that's a red flag. And that phrase red yeah. flag, I never connected the two, but I just wonder if there's like, if that was a thing that she was also It's like a little about. chicken nugget. It's a little chicken nugget. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about in the spirit a little bit was, um, takes us to the music video and, oh, yes. honestly, okay, I'm going to be the first to admit, I don't think I've ever watched that music video until this morning. And so honestly, same, um, that's two weeks in a row now <laughs> that we discuss very iconic Taylor Swift songs yeah. where I've actually never seen the, the music video until we broke yeah. this down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. it's so, it's fun I'm for me you. that there's still things out there that I don't know about. Like I know, obviously we still have albums so that fun. we're just learning about, but I, I personally <laughs> still get to peel layers of Taylor Swift that others know. And I, I enjoy that. So I actually, I had a whole different perspective on this song after watching that music video and not the music video itself, 
the music video begins with this really weird music that has not that sounds nothing like Taylor like like uh, Trouble. We're just gonna call it Trouble. It's just easier for me just to call it Trouble if that's okay with you. I'm with you okay. on that. Um, it starts with this like weird like I don't know Stranger Things psycho type music. She's in a desert and and it's like it looks like a like a bomb went off and she's like waking up and she says this monologue and I was it's, it's poetry, Rachel. Is yes, what it, is. it is stunning. And I was like, the mm-hmm. words that she's using here, I almost want to read it. Should I read it or is that too much? Yeah, no, please do. I, okay. I was actually going to find it so we could yeah, read it. Because there's there a part be a of it. it. Well, I'll, I'll get to it. So she says, I think, I think when it's all over, it just comes back and flashes, you know? It's like a kaleidoscope of memories. It just all comes back. But he never does. I think part of me knew the second I saw him that this would happen. It's not really anything he said or anything he did. It was the feeling that came along with it. And the crazy thing is I don't know if I'm ever going to feel that way again, but I don't know if I should. I knew his world moved too fast and burned too bright, but I just thought, how can the devil be pulling you towards someone who looks so much like an angel when he smiles at you? I hate that part, by the way. That's disgusting. Maybe he knew that when he saw me, maybe he knew that when he saw me, I guess I just lost my balance. I think the worst part of it all wasn't losing him. It was losing me. It's a long (laughs) introduction and it's, it's poignant and deep and profound. And then what it's followed up with is it it is like it is so it's so weird so weird it does not to me fit the general like i understand the message is what she's conveying she's just conveying it in a poetic sense the juxtaposition is is so peculiar but it is it is a very kind of like significant Thing and we never we, it just gives us a little bit more insight yes and we we always say that taylor doesn't do anything without like really thinking it through right and i almost think that was intentional to show how <laughs> you can block out the red flags by going in for the fun ride right so like all those like truths that she was feeling were drowned out by this like, no, have fun, stay puppy, still like go on these like great adventures with this like really great guy that you kind of have a crush on. And like, I, I, I think that she was intentional about doing that, which she did on the Red Album so much. She did a lot of that like, I'm going to play all too well and I'm going to break your heart and then I'm going to throw you in 22 because this is like what she was doing during this era. And so if you think Mm -hmm. about it in the context of the era, I think it makes sense. But that line, okay, there's two lines that she says. First she says it wasn't anything he said or anything he did. It was a feeling that came along. And that's 
very similar to a Maya Angelou quote, which is, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That quote is used a lot in different <laughs> presidential speeches, if, if you will. Um, but like, it's, uh, it, it's a great, it's a great line. Honestly, I feel like it <laughs> sticks a lot with who Taylor is as a person. But then we get that part that says it, 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 in the end, it was it wasn't about losing him; it was losing me, and I think that's a lot of her whole like. That's womanhood and in general. I mean, I'm thinking about um, the Barbie movie, and I'm thinking about Taylor exploring her eras and the way that she's learned from it. Like that's a theme. I think that's a big theme lately of feminism and women in general of like learning how to find yourself when you get lost in these like like who am I and and I think Taylor was like exploring that as well through her errors and trying to understand that and and she she was trying to understand it when she was 20 and 20 21 22 and she's probably still kind of exploring it and we benefit from that because we keep getting albums from her trying to understand who she is truly uh -huh. um yeah and then okay so that's just the spirit of the song who knew we had so much to say that's the spirit so take take me into the music sam who i, I, I can't remember who who produced <laughs> this this song oh my god it's my favorite <laughs> swedish pop duo max martin and shellback and thank you for leading me into that rachel so we're talking about the musical mixology now this is the very first song that she ever put out with the iconic team of Max Martin and Shellback. You know how much I love a Max Martin and Shellback Taylor Swift song, Rachel. They are so fun. Yes, but this is their debut moment, right? Exactly. Now, what I don't know is the chronological order of which she wrote Red. Which song came first? Which song, yada, 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 did she right. pair with? But... What is interesting is chronologically speaking, this is the first song we ever hear of Taylor Swift that is unmistakably a pop song. Every song up until this point chronologically is country, is pop country, is twangy with a little bit of pop flair, but this song leaves it all behind. This is a groundbreaking moment in Taylor Swift's career. The Taylor Swift that we get in the latter half of this career that we currently have of hers is pop for the most part, right? And this yeah. is kind of the song that started it all. And so I think that's the most important thing to mention when discussing the musical mixology. So the other thing to mention is this song, not only is it like entering fully into the pop genre but there's this like playing with the with the genre of dubstep which is like a, a sub genre of EDM made famous by Skrillex yeah. That type of subgenre was really big in 2012. I personally didn't listen to it actively, but it was coming up 
whether it was on the radio or the playlists I was listening to at the time, I very much knew about dubstep. And this song has been categorized into the dubstep genre because of that part of the chorus. Now, the song starts with just a simple, like, poppy guitar plucking. And then what's really great is it kind of just really builds. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now, me. And then we get a bass drop. Now I'm lying on the cold, hard ground. like dubstep sounds which i really actually kind of struggle to hear the dubstep and i think that's interesting because i've heard this song as being categorized under dubstep and i've always been like really though is it really that dubstep apparently taylor swift agrees because taylor swift said that when she was being interviewed after the song came out she said she didn't know it was considered dubstep but that's just what people were calling it She's like, it, apparently she wrote this song to the piano and then she sent it to Max Martin and Shellback because she just told them she like wanted it to sound chaotic as if it was portraying the emotions that she felt. And they just did all this work with it. And that was what was popular at the time was this dubstep category. And then she was like, I guess it's dubstep. That's what people are calling it. I don't know. And... <laughs> Yeah, well, and and it's interesting that you talk about like sending it away to them because I re- I I remembered hearing a timeline of that. She wrote this album with a lot of country music, and she just like it wasn't sitting with her. And this was when she was just like, "No, I need to change this up." Like, and and she had to go against her her team, whoever her they album. Are. Or, I mean, her, I her label. Her, her her record label. And they were kind of like, eh, they weren't behind. And so she was just like went against them and went after, Mar- uh, you know, Shellback, Max Martin, Shellback. And that's, yeah, which is why she approached them with something written piano because that's all really she ever, I mean, she, mm-hmm. she's done that with a lot of pop songs. So, but this was her first experience writing pop songs. So she just was like, hey, there's this song and I want, what can you do with it? And that's what they did with it. Yes. So, yeah. This, it is, it is kind of a big moment. As much as we like make moment. fun of this song, it's, it is big and it, it, it is a catalyst and it's, it's, and for that matter, it was a blast to sing at the Eras tour. Oh, Say man. what you will about this song, but it is so freaking fun. We've I mean, said that before. Yeah, that I go back about the Red to that Era moment songs. of the Eras tour so much. I go yes. back to the Red Era yes. because yes. of those three banging bops, and like a Red Stan would criticize her choices. For the, but it made absolute sense for the energy, for the flow of the Eras tour. We needed those moments after she sang Enchanted and Long Live to get us back into it. And this song is Before anything but a breaking failure. our hearts with all too well timid at first. That is true. She does follow this all up with all too well ten. <laughs> And thank God she does. It's a sandwich, but, right? This is how this is how you do. It. It's like a compliment sandwich. Oh, that sounds good. I'm kind of getting hungry right now. Um, 
You know what I'm hungry for, Rachel, is the lyrics. Let's eat up this song. And it sounds like you've got some thoughts. So let's start by breaking down the first verse, which goes a little something like this. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights. You got me alone. You found me. You found me. You found me. I guess you didn't care, and I guess I like that. And when I fell hard, you took a step back without me, without me, without me. And so, is this is this is this the pre-course? You want me to stop? I'm gonna stop. I, honestly, I don't know. We keep going. I, I, I have some things to say, but not much. <laughs> so the only thing I okay. really want to say is she starts the song with "Once Upon a Time," which is so interesting because. We get that in, what's the song? Forever and Always. Once upon a yes. time. Da, 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 da. And then we get it in this song. And it kind of makes you believe that this is going to be one of Taylor's classic country fairy tale songs. And it is far yep. from that. Yep. But it's just fun that she starts it with Once Upon a Time. And then she goes, a well, few mistakes ago. And then... <laughs> This is why it's about John Mayer and not Harry Styles because she's laying the foundation to say a while ago, like a couple of boyfriends yep. ago, essentially, is what she's saying. Yep. Which timeline yeah. wise, when yep. Red came out, would lead us to John Mayer, you know? Right, right to your good buddy, John. My good buddy, John. As this, as this first verse continues, I think what I mentioned, like, there's, like, some a lot of Taylor twisting that goes on in this song. But what I think she uses really, like, she's using really simple words, but all these words have double meanings. So we get into, um, I, I, when I fell hard, you took a step back. And that, like, fell hard could obviously mean, like, I, like, fell hard for you. And maybe it was like too much, like I came on too quickly. But I also think it could mean I fell hard, like something bad happened and you just didn't show up. Yeah, that's kind of how, that's the vibe I feel. I mean, you're right. It's definitely a double meaning, but you took a step without me. Like, yeah, like you did your own thing without me. But what I want to point out is in, in all the interviews and all the comments I read, Taylor have comments about the song is she is just repeating the same thing over and over again, which is what we get in the song. She just tells the interviewer, she tells us this song is about someone I knew I shouldn't have gone in with. Also the song sounds super different than anything I've ever done before. I get the impression that she's actually insecure about this song in a couple of different Mm. ways. And how it sounded, because it was just a total shift, and that made her super really nervous, but also just insecure in admitting that she messed up with this. And like, oh, now it's so obvious. I should have seen the signs. And she's insecure about that. And I meant to bring that up in the spirit, but uh, but it's it's something that she just kind of like gives us over and over again. And in the sense, in the song, in the sense that she repeats things like, you found me, you found me, you found me, 
without me, without me, without me. There's a lot of like repetition in the song. And not in the sense that we've talked about before, where she like repeats things to like convince herself. I just feel like I get the idea that it's like just insecure, this song. And well, she uses the words, I guess you didn't care. And I guess I liked that, which is such mm. a sign. I, as a writer note, whenever like I use those like questioning kind of words or like not firm words, an editor will say like, uh, unless you're really trying to convey, like, uh, not, like, be really hesitant and not knowing, it loses your credibility because, mm. like, you aren't believed. If you say things like, like, I think or maybe or whatever, like, you're supposed to just say it, like, you didn't care and I liked that. But you're you're exa- exactly right. Like, I think she's still ha- having insecurities. You hear that through a lot of the Red Album anyway. There's a lot of insecurities. There's a lot of exploration. She even mentioned it. I lost myself. I don't really know what happened there. And it's kind of scary. So, yeah. That's that's the first verse. And then we get like yeah. a pre-chorus. Okay? Which I really <laughs> like the pre-chorus. Especially because it does change. And you were talking a lot about like she's taking on the blame. She says it right here. And he's long gone when he's next to me and I realize the blame is on me. And so that that part's going to shift later on when we get the pre-chorus. So I think it's important to notice it. But that line, he's long gone when he's next to me. Mm-hmm. Oof. Right. That says Yeah, it's great because like it says a lot because she's saying he's next to her physically. The first yes. line you get is he's long gone, which makes you think <clears> – <throat> He's out of the picture. We've broken up, but he's next to me. It brings you back to the realization that they're not broken up in this part of the song, but he's long gone mentally, right? He's long gone Even when he's next to her. Even yes. when he's next to her. He, he's not even with her. Oh, my her. God. And I Sam, realize I'm having a hard time. Me. I keep thinking about Joe. <laughs> because we just like, we, I know this song is not about Joe. Very much not about Joe. Like, We'll have our Joe moments to, to talk wonder, about. I wonder, I mean, I wonder if that got to the point where he also was long gone when he's not. Now, I think this was different. Sure. I think this was a guy who was a player and who, yeah. and I don't, we don't know yet. We don't, we don't know what those songs are going to tell us. But like in this song, like I think it's recognizing like even when he's next to me, he just wasn't in it with me. He, yeah, he totally was without me. Yeah. Um. All right. So then we get our chorus. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Shame on me now. Here's my cocktail. Oh, you really went sassy with that. Places I've never been. Okay. So you put me down. Uh oh, I don't need to sing the whole thing. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now. Flew me to places I've never been. Cheers. Now I'm lying on the cool. Cheers. Now I'm lying on the cold, hard ground. Oh! Goat. 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 Trouble, <laughs> trouble, trouble. Drink, Sam. Goat. 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 <laughs> um, okay. The chorus is basically what it says. Although here's a double meaning that I really like. Go on. Flew me to places I've never been till you put me down. Um, first of all, 
flew me to places I've never been could be literal like literally maybe he was flying her around the country to places she's never been I mean she's young and these things are new to her still Mm -hmm. despite Mm -hmm. being have already done a world tour I still think seeing the world is big to Taylor and is exciting for her yeah but I also just think of it as metaphorically or figuratively as like yes you know he lifted her up the ground and he you know emotionally took her to places that she's never been before I mean, you showed me colors I can't paint with anyone else. Is what Absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. You showed me colors you know I can't see with anyone else. Well, what's great is flew me to places I'd never been is contrasted with now I'm lying on the cold hard ground. So instead of flying up in the air, now she's on the ground. Yeah. The cold hard ground. Well, okay. So till you put me down, again, double meaning, that could be like, you ended the relationship but it also means he put her down like insulted her yeah um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a vibe we we get that there now now she's saying shame on me now like she recognizes that but that cold hard ground is like i mean that's you could imagine her being sad but also like that's a cold hard truth is another phrase that we hear and that's like now she is lying in the truth the cold hard truth that has her on the ground so Mm -hmm. Trouble, 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 trouble. Which is why I think the song should just be called Trouble. I don't know why the trouble. need for this lengthy title of I Knew You Were Trouble. I feel like it should just be called Trouble. But I agree. I, not my song. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Okay, second verse. No apologies. He'll never see you cry. Pretends he doesn't know that he's the reason why you're drowning. Now, I guess she's singing to herself. Like, when she says, you're drowning, like, it's her that's drowning. He'll never see you cry like it's her that's crying. She's singing to herself, right? Yes, it's so interesting because I feel like earlier in her career, she got a little confused with her pronouns. She's not always consistent She's not consistent with her, Mm -hmm. yeah. And not that she's confused, but, like, it, it confuses us, I think. But I think this is it her does. saying, like, in general, like, you know, yes. I think talking to herself. Maybe that's just what uh, as simple yeah. as that. Like, now she's talking to herself, coming to a realization that he's never going to see you cry. And she's drowning in her sadness. And I heard you moved on from whispers on the street. A new notch in your belt is all I'll ever be. And now I see, now I see, now I see, e, 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 e. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got gossip yeah. and a new notch in your belt. Like, like again, I just, I really don't like John Mayer. He's so gross. And he just wants a, a, a lady to say he got with. Okay, but, but what I think is the best thing that I can ever mention as a John Mayer stan is this okay, song. Uh-huh. Because for once, so I the whole conversation I've seen is Taylor is a victim because he groomed her because he was 32 and she was 19. But what I never see conversations of is why are we always blaming the guy when she also decided to go into a relationship with him? She knew what she was doing. Why should power. we victimize Sam. her? Why should because we say that he is at fault when she could have made the decision to not go with him? So then we get these songs down the line. 
oh, he was so wrong for being older than me. I don't understand that narrative until this song. This song is the one that I actually get where Taylor's like actually giving me a little bit of justifiable reason where she's like, oh, I'm actually pretty dumb for doing that. And thank God we finally have that perspective because I know I'm a man and I know I love John Mayer, but of course I'm going to defend him to in the sense that it's not all his fault when she was the one that decided to date him. Like, right? It's call- but like, it's, it's called not- a... No, Sam, I'm going to stop you. It's called a power dynamic. And he took advantage of a power dynamic. Not only was he already established in the musical industry and wooed her that way, but he's already in a, a grown man wooing a young, barely 20-year-old into his life. That is a power dynamic. It's like a boss and his colleague, like, or his, his whatever, <laughs> people he manages. Like, it's just not okay. okay. Whether or not both people are involved, when there's a power dynamic involved, it is his fault. Okay, but is it his fault that he was older and had more power than she did? Yes! Like, is that really yes! his fault? That was just how the cards laid. I don't think that's his fault that he had been in the industry 10 years longer than she had, that he was 10 years older than she had. That's not his fault. That's not something It is. That he should not for. have been involved. He should have recognized that it was inappropriate in all sorts of ways, especially because- Absolutely, he, he should have. I completely her. agree with that. But she also should have recognized that being with somebody of that dynamic was also not- not appropriate and the entire conversation has mostly been around let's shame him let's not shame her and thank god taylor gave us a song where she's literally saying shame on me and i just want to say that i finally am very glad to hear taylor say that so shame on me now. i'm not saying that john is a hero in this situation by any means he was definitely at fault his actions were inappropriate, but why should we only be so one-sided about saying that he was the one at fault when she also took the jump, took the risk? This was her choice. She was not coerced. She made the active decision to date somebody like him. There's been no conversation of that she was forced into this relationship. She chose this relationship herself because she fell for somebody who had an allure. That's not his fault. And yes, he made inappropriate decisions, but she also made inappropriate decisions to go for it when she could have just been like, that's not what I need to be doing right now. But she's admitting in this song, she knew it was bad, but she wanted to do it anyways because it was worth the risk for her. Now we learn later on, actually, no, we learn in like previous albums. We know from the lore that she has told us that this relationship messed her up so bad and she regrets it all of the time. But it's so hard to know that that's going to be the situation when you are falling for somebody who is attractive. When you're falling for somebody when you're 20 years old. I do, I, I do think that's different. I do think it's different. And I do think we get to the point, I think at First, she's saying... She's a fully grown adult. She No, no, no. Her brain's not even developed yet. Her brain... Oh, that's bullshit. She is absolutely capable of making her own decisions as an adult human being. When you're 20 years old, you're not like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know 
What's you best don't. Your for brain you? is actually you're... not developed until you're 30. I just learned this. I just learned this. When you're oh in tw- your 20s, your brain is still developing. Okay. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you're like mentally incapable of making decisions. Your brain is still growing. You're still absorbing information. But that doesn't mean that at 20 years old, you are just dumb and aloof and have no idea what's going on in the world. Taylor Swift knew exactly what she was doing by dating somebody like John Mayer at, 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 at 19. And no, she wasn't as mature as she is now at 34, but she was still a 19-year-old person, Rachel. That is a fully grown not a fully grown adult but that is an adult person at that point and and that is unfortunately how you learn you do have to make mistakes and that's the point of this song she is admitting she's admitting that she made a mistake but there was that moment when she couldn't say no and she wanted to go in for it she knew he was trouble but she did it anyways all i'm saying is (laughs) there are two players in a love game and hey do you want me to bring up this quote again i already said it but she said getting my heart broken isn't only one person's fault i realized early on that this was a huge risk factor and i went for it anyways it's my fault she said that she's admitting it and thank goodness she is because i am just tired of it being weighed on this one person yeah she admitted that when she was in her early 20s she would not admit that now. She regrets it all the time, and she regrets that she was that young and in that type of situation. I, I, I firmly believe it. It messed her up, and I don't. And I think she even says, as we continue on with the lyrics, when she switches it up the pre-chorus, instead of saying "blame is on me," she says "the joke is on me." that's her now bitter that this was a joke all along and that she thought it was real and it was a joke to him all along and that's what she regrets that she couldn't read not that she made the wrong decision but that she believed in love that she trusted love that she trusted someone saying the things that he said to her and now when she says the joke is on me was was the media joking about it too? Like, did she feel like she was a laughing no, matter? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, she's a butt of a joke. If she, like, thought <laughs> that he was something other than he actually was. Um, I will just say that is not the end of my talking about John Mayer. I have things to bring up <laughs> here in a little bit. But okay. until okay. Okay. then, we get another chorus. I mean... I don't think that we second get course, course changes, right? We get um, we get a bridge, which is a fun bridge, but there's some words I don't or a, a word combo that I just like. I don't get that. And the saddest hmm. fear comes creeping in that you never loved me or her or anyone or anything. Yeah, which is so fun to sing. But the it the is. phrase saddest fear. What do you think that means? Like, I feel like fear uh, is a funny word. I don't think it means word. anything other than literal. I think <laughs> she is sad about the fear. Like, it's... No, but what is she afraid that. of? What is she afraid of is what I'm asking. Mm. Maybe the realization. Maybe that she 
isn't to be loved. Maybe that she's someone not to be loved. Um, or she fears that, you know, like when she gets heartbroken, she's going to fear that's going to carry on to the next relationship. So, you know, it mm. should, it, in theory, it should be the saddest realization, but it doesn't flow. Yeah, it doesn't fit. The, the, yeah. The words. So it seems like one of those things where Taylor just used the word fear because it kind of makes it, sense. It sounded better. But yeah. It sounds better, but it doesn't necessarily like need to be an actual it's fear. Not like I, mean, a I think in a way. Fear. She's afraid of this happening again. You could say it like that. Right. And she did say that in the music sense. video. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, okay. The, to, to fit in with the bridge, it definitely makes sense to use a one syllable word like fear rather than a word like realization. But that's basically what she's saying here is like she's kind of coming to terms with something. The saddest fear comes creeping in. And this part is iconic. That you never loved me. Which in and of itself would be like, oh, that's a very Taylor thing to say. But it goes on. You never loved me or, or her, her or anyone, anyone or anything. anything. That you never loved me or her or anyone or anything. And in fact, it actually should not be a fear for her. It should almost be like a joy that yes, she recognizes I mean. that it wasn't just her it wasn't it her was absolutely him it was yeah. the fact that he was incapable of yes. love and here's yes. where i'm gonna diss john mayer because he okay. called okay. himself out in one of my favorite john mayer songs half of my heart where of course he is featuring mm. taylor swift in that song yes. and half of my heart he is the one that admits that he not all in. has never truly loved anything. In half of my heart, he says, half of my heart is the part of a man who's never truly loved anything. Basically, that whole song, Half of My Heart with Taylor Swift, he's singing about how he can't just be giving half of his heart. And if he feels like he's in a relationship where he's giving half of his heart, then he recognizes that that is wrong. But he truly, he does say, he admits in that song that he can't give half of his heart because he's a man who's never truly loved anything. And I mean, I have to just, this this song, I Knew Your Trouble, came out after that song. So I think Taylor directly pulled from that. And it should be a point of comfort for her to realize that it was just, he's just incapable of love and, you know, he never loved her or, or the other girl or anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's our song. Rachel, that is the song, I Know You're in Trouble. You know, it's funny because this song, I don't think collectively is poo-pooed. But, like, I think you and I both agree that this song can just exist without us really recognizing it very much. I'm glad that we paid some attention to it today. You know, our our goal at some point is to do every single Taylor Swift song. So, uh, you know, yeah. it, it makes sense. But mm-hmm. 
That is this episode. Rachel, it is time that you tell me where we're going next. What song, it is your turn to choose, what song have you chosen for next week's episode? Where are we going? Sam, uh... Well, I feel like I need, we need to, I I can't technically say I'm going to fly us to places that we've never been because we have covered every single album, but we have not spent a lot of time in this particular album. Mm. And so I'm going to fly us, I'm going to fly us, I'm going to put us down, I'm going to put us down in the debut era, Sam. Okay. Yes, Rachel. Thank Um, you so much. We're going to go there. They're begging for this. I know. And you know. It's funny, you already started singing the song t- just tonight, so I feel oh. like you already took us to this song, and I don't know <laughs> if our Swiggies picked up on it because you just said it in passing, but um, I felt like I wanted to follow this song with another song about like uh, being frustrated with a guy, and so we're gonna just really get in our angry Taylor <laughs> debut era, which is you should have said no. Yes, it is such a banger, and yep. it is like one of my absolute favorite moments of the debut album, and my favorite moments of the Reputation Stadium tour. So great choice. I had a sneaking um, suspicion. Wonderful. Until then, Rachel, you and I need to fully fathom uh, all of the information that we've received so far about the yeah. Tortured Poets Department. Did I say that right? For reals. I think Tortured Poets Department. <laughs> there is yes. just a lot to fathom. There's a lot to figure yeah. out. Um, and this is this has been a fun adventure. It always is. Woo! So, it sure has been. Yeah. Clink, clink see, to that. See you next week. Clink, clink. Mm-hmm. 